0: Heroes, this is a podcast. We're not heroes, we're doing this for fun. We're not heroes, this is a podcast. We're not heroes, what are you fucking dumb? Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Chapman and Robin. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bird. And we're uh, we say this every single time that we record now, but we're back, baby. So we're just we're gonna, we're gonna skip all that where we're like we've been gone for a long time. You know we've been gone for a long time, but we're back. Now.
1: Sorry, <laughs> it's fine. We love you. Uh,
0: we've been adjusting to our our new life Living essentially. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a lot crazier and a lot more hectic, but uh, than we were anticipating. But that's fine. Um, Bird had a fun idea to, on how to start these uh, this new. This reboot, basically reboot,
1: more structured, more streamlined reboot.
0: Yeah, well, I like uh, I like your your less uh, the structure, but also like the cr- the crazy outlaw nature of this first idea, which is uh, starting starting each episode by by asking, Bird, what are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking a Bengal spice tea. It's my latest favorite.
0: It's that it's like basically like decaf chai, right? Yeah. And every time you're brewing a pot of it, I think that some like amazing. Indian baker is in our kitchen, just <laughs> <laughs> like baking a, baking it really, donuts. And, oh my um, God, it, it appeases so my
1: good. sweet tooth, which is probably why I drink it a lot. It
0: it feels like rich and decadent when it hits your mouth, even with nothing in it. I love this tea; I absolutely love it. I love when you're making it. Mm-hmm. I love when I'm drinking it. Oh, it's so. Maybe good.
1: we should explain why we're doing this segment. We do. we we're, always
0: we're doing this segment because every time we sit down to do this podcast. Every single time since number one, we are both drinking something always we just always have usually with me it's coffee bird has tea and then when we did it in Maine a few times I was making tiki drinks so I would have like a cocktail in front of me and then one time we got so fucking hammered and did the podcast super Mm. drunk that I just had to make the episode disappear because it didn't hold together and there was some stuff on just really horrible I
1: said really offensive things
0: yeah so we just took it all out (laughs) and just (laughs) pretended like it never happened Mm. and moved on with our Mm. lives um
1: and what are you drinking, Max?
0: I am drinking a 12-year Glen Kinchy. It's a single malt scotch from the Lowland region of Scotland. It's one of only six Lowland distilleries left in the world, I believe. It's fairly uncommon to have distilleries in that region with the uh, the boom of the popularity of Highlands and Isla scotches.
1: I see you're drinking it I'm in drinking a Bushmills glass. I am.
0: I'm drinking it in the Bushmills Irish whiskey glass <laughs> that my brother got me from his trip to mm. Ireland, but uh, Close enough. Close enough. I'm drinking European whiskey in a European glass. Um, and I'm drinking it with just a the scantest drop of distilled water that you've ever seen in your fucking life. The scantest. It's not distilled. It's the the um. So I'm driving us to the play water. later? No, no, no. I only <laughs> have an ounce and a half here. I'll be fine. After the play, you're driving us anywhere we're going because I am going to town after the play. But only if you drive me there. No, I'm kidding. Anyway. Um, we wanted to uh, to refocus the podcast. It originally started as like a nerdy, geeky, comics-centric podcast, and uh, sort of strayed.
1: Mm, yeah, got like, a little wandery. It
0: got very wandery. So we're gonna do try and do two things every week. We're going to do a segment called "It Came from the Short Box." I'm gonna put some cool effects on my voice when I say that. Um, I have a really eclectic Comic book (laughs) collection upstairs Mm -hmm. I have like A dozen or more short Short boxes Of of single issue comic books All bagged and boarded Lovingly over the course of a day while we watched Mm -hmm. Almost all bagged and boarded There's a couple of golden age ones that we didn't have sleeves for But um, we're gonna go through Those comic book short boxes And I, I just picked a box at random And I have them all alphabetized So this week was D And we're just going to read a couple comics every week from one of my short boxes, totally at random. I don't... I have some, like, semi-complete runs, but for the most part, it's going to be a lot of, like, sporadic issues and standalone (laughs) stuff. It's going to be really fun to eventually, like, dig into uh, that collection, especially because it tripled or quadrupled in size a few years ago. Yes. My buddy Brandon Ward called me at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning one day and was like, hey... uh, Hey man, I was just at Goodwill. I think we might, it must've been like eight or nine. It must've been later opened. because
1: Goodwill was already open. And he'd been there.
0: Right. But he went like right as soon as they opened mm-hmm. to drop off a bunch of stuff. Oh. Um, but he, he called me like almost as soon as they opened and he was like, dude, you got to get down to Goodwill. Someone brought their whole comic book collection and he's like, there's like hundreds of comics in bags down here. So I ran down there and uh, Were we, they all
1: bagged and boarded? No, they, they weren't. They weren't boarded,
0: but they were bagged. They were in mm-hmm. like blind bags of five that had like similar issues in them. I think what they did I is they just. I think it was
1: more. I think it was like 10 or 20.
0: In a bag? In a bag. No, I don't think so. Okay. That'd be a lot. Anyway, they, I think what they did, because a, a lot of them were similar issues or runs, mm-hmm. I think they just grabbed out of this guy's box and dropped it in a Goodwill bag mm-hmm. and then hung it up. So we got down there and the bags, the comic book bags were that day's half off tag. Color oh my god were they yeah that's Why when I got there I was oh. like okay I'll probably be able To get like a, a, a couple but they were all half Off so I was we like we still
1: spent a ton Of money we spent
0: 400 we, oh, we spent Over 400 dollars <laughs> but I they got also,
1: like just threw in a bunch Because we were buying
0: right I well I, I Was like can I talk to a manager and they're like What who who talks to a manager at Goodwill what what did we do please don't Be <laughs> mad at us and I was the manager Comes I was like how can I help you I'm like how much For all of those comics if I just buy them All right now and he's like, well, they're, ha- they're the half off uh, sticker price today. So, I mean, that's probably the best deal I could give you is just that they happen to be on sale. And, uh, I mean, if you, I don't know, if you hit like a couple hundred bucks, we'll just start, we'll throw in like some extra ones here and there. And I was like, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't need some crazy <laughs> deal if they're already half off. I didn't realize they were half off. But uh, I think they threw in like uh, like 40 or 50 issues worth of free comics at the end. But uh, and we I,
1: bought most of them we didn't buy All of them No,
0: well no once we hit four hundred Dollars uh, my knees my knees Buckled and I <laughs> shied off uh, we Probably could have got the rest for like another hundred but Five hundred dollars of comics at and Goodwill. like
1: That's The other ones money. we looked at the packages And some of them were like
0: looney tunes kids comics. And, Which I love I love I have a bunch Of looney tunes comics upstairs but I You know I'm not gonna I don't really want to Get into like you know it to buy the mm-hmm. whole Collection would have been not just Like a bunch of recklessly spent Money it would have been like a serious and Investment, so but we still bought I think like probably 90% Of this guy's collection I'm
1: pretty sure we cover this In a previous episode we
0: did but it's been Like a year since we recorded so I'm just Bringing everyone up to speed yeah. on why I have so many Comic books so a lot Of them are 90s mm-hmm. uh, The the years of comics and the type of comics That Bird is maybe not necessarily the biggest Fan of mm. There's uh, comics like Deathblow And Death uh <laughs> Blood killer knife man Comics like that (laughs) (laughs) A lot of early Jim Lee A lot of Rob Liefeld A lot of image Oh my god there's runs of wild Anyway we're going to be reading some comics that are not necessarily Upbird's Alley Which we uh, also did Mm. today Mm -hmm. And then um, in addition to that segment The What Came From the Short Box we are going to do, uh, tell them what, what else we're going to do, Bird, while I write
1: Oh, moment. well, you're going to have to kind of explain this a little bit better because I don't really know the history behind it, but we are going to be reading, oh boy,
0: okay. <laughs> Haven't done this in a while. Jeez,
1: beat up the mic. Um, we are going to be reading Alan Moore's Lost Girls. Um, it's illustrated by Melinda Hmm.
0: Um,
1: and it's, it's a pretty infamous book, um. I don't really know a lot about it, but um, so far I'm really enjoying it. And the art is gorgeous.
0: Well, I wasn't. It's not just Lost Girls. That's the first one we're doing. Um, The other thing we're going to do is, I also have a massive collection of graphic novels and trade paperbacks. So we're going to work through, and that is much more structured than my single issue comic book collection where I have missing issues and things. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to tackle... Uh, graphic novels and trade paperbacks that are on our bookshelves and work our way through whole runs either a few issues at a time or in the case of things shorter things like my Hellboy comics and things like that we can probably do a whole volume in one episode. But so we're going to do one one like main feature piece where we dig in deep and then the it came from the short box where we read something really fun and probably <laughs> not up your alley and see what you think of it. And so that's what we're going to do. And then we're also going to talk about, you know, nerdy movies that we're watching and things like that. It's going to go back to being a geeky, nerdy, fun podcast with little bits of ourselves thrown in. Um so that is a long way of getting us to the segment that I've already said with cool vocal effects on my voice. So let's dig in properly to it came from the short box 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 i could have just put an echo on that i don't know why i did that with my actual mouth doesn't matter okay so we did we started with the d's today and we did three issues of daredevil um Let's start right at the beginning. Uh, I have it's it this was my father's comic book. It was passed down to me from my dad. It's Daredevil, Volume One, Number Two Thirty Five, from 1986, written by Danny Fingeroth, and the art was done actually by Steve Ditko. Um, there's a, the this guy Danny Bolandi did the oh basically God. the finishing work, but Steve Ditko did do all not the layouts. Like this mic. <laughs> uh We can switch your mic. I can stop and no, it's fine. Okay. Um, so Steve Ditko is actually a really famous comic book artist.
1: Yeah, the name sounds really familiar to me. Yeah,
0: he did a lot of Marvel stuff in the, uh, um, the although all through the '80s. He's very he's an iconic artist. So what uh, did you, yeah uh,
1: the art is very like classic superhero iconic very much style. So. Yeah, it's the art is beautiful. Like this first page has um, a picture of Daredevil like running to the rescue or like leaping to the rescue and just. It's just the most beautiful thing with that, how they break down the colors and they used to do the, um, the dot, um,
0: coloring. Like the I should
1: know how this is explained.
0: Yeah, I (laughs) actually don't know. I was hoping you could explain the art, the art process. Um, I know they did like, uh, it's, it's it's, like,
1: it's like four colors.
0: It's four color comics. Red, yellow,
1: black, and blue. And -hmm. those are the only colors they can use. So they, um, layer them in different dot patterns to create different colors H-
0: colors and hues and stuff right. okay um yeah so what did you let's what did you think of the comic
1: uh, i know you hated I it i hated it i know you hated it because <laughs> you just kept saying
0: i hate this every, every couple of minutes i got
1: halfway through this and i didn't think i could make it the rest of the way
0: really yes i know i forced you to finish reading it you so did. what what was it that you hated so much about this
1: okay when i first started reading it it had, um, like, exposition and, like, dialogue where it's like, oh, cool, they're doing the, like, they're doing, like, a throwback to, like, the 50s style of writing. But then
0: you realized it wasn't a throwback? Because they how, kept
1: doing it through the whole thing. That's and just how
0: comics were in the 80s. They
1: kept repeating <laughs> the same exposition over and over and over. Well. I wanted to die.
0: Well, you know, as Stan Lee always says, every comic is somebody's first comic. So you have to give, let's, I'll give you a bit, the viewers a, or the listener viewers, the listeners a basic overview. Basically the story covers the return of uh, an old daredevil villain called Mr. Hyde. It's literally what you expect. It's a scientist who figured out a way to do like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing using a formula.
1: And it also kind of covers the return of Daredevil after some sort of mental break.
0: Right. And that's what I like about this this segment that we're doing is I don't have the issues before this. So we find out through exposition that Daredevil had like... They tell some, us
1: like eight times.
0: He had like some sort of really severe breakdown and I basically went crazy where he for totally forsook the Matt Murdock... Um, Persona The portion of his identity And became Basically all daredevil All the time And it almost drove him mad And he's coming back All daredevil
1: All the time
0: (laughs) Um Buy one daredevil Get one half off Um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Daredevil's like He's back on patrol After a, basically a brush with madness And we follow As we follow the issue He like busts up in, uh, some people Who are stealing some high end art at Picasso, the paintings. Picasso paintings Which I wrote down Daredevil knows the painting by touch Which means he's touched it before <gasps>
1: Oh and who Who lets a person just touch paintings? I mean, I know he's blind, but you don't
0: just let people touch it. He might not actually have touched it before, but because he is... Daredevil touches... He's trying to figure out what they're stealing. For those of you who don't know, Daredevil's a Marvel character who is blind, but was... Hasn't
1: everybody seen the movie? Everybody
0: fucking knows. Or the TV show, the amazing Marvel TV series. But anyway, he's blind, and he got some radioactive shit in his face, and it gave him, like, superpowers. superpowers. That's all you need to know. His other senses are, like, crazy heightened.
1: Oh, I could even read a clip oh, don't about even how his- it. Oh, please, we should have like we should have gotten ready for this just to read the horrible.
0: Well, it's our first episode back. We can it, and you know, depending on how how deep we get in with this podcast uh, over the next couple of months, maybe we can put in a lot more time and work. But it is a lot of work to even to do the other. Anyway, that's n- neither here nor there. He recognizes by touching what they've stolen that it's a Picasso painting, which means either that he has seen a picture of this Picasso painting. No, that's not possible. He would have, because, well, if he'd seen an image of it and touched it, he would realize that what he's touching is what he's, quote unquote, seen. But no, that's not. Like as a child? But that's not possible. Because now, since he's totally blind, he would have to have touched a representation of this painting in order to know what it looks like. We see in some, I mean, you've seen in this issue, this other issue we're going to talk about. I mean,
1: supposedly he has, like, echolocation radar but thing that doesn't really help
0: the, the big one and like we're going to cover another issue later where he quote-unquote reads a mm. newspaper by touching it because he can he's so
1: his his touch is so sensitive that, that he can, can tell feel the ink, ink is
0: right so maybe he's yeah. like touch but anyway the, the idea that he's such an art connoisseur that he can recognize a specific highly valuable piece by Picasso is really interesting to me which means like like it, this,
1: somebody's let him touch their Picasso painting before.
0: Maybe or are they stealing
1: it from a museum? Like it's an that? office
0: building. They're stealing it from a. Who ser-
1: oh, the fuck has a Picasso in their
0: office? They, the cops mention it later in this issue. A lot of this issue doesn't really make sense. It makes sense in like an '80s kind of way, where they're like, "Where do you steal it from?" I don't know, an office building. Okay, an office building, and they just let it ride. But like they mentioned that these guys have been stealing high-end art out of like um, business offices all over town, and I'm man, like,
1: man, the '80s much high, were kooky. How much? High <laughs> Um
0: so yeah, like I don't know. I was it's it for me it's like Batman syndrome or Tony Stark syndrome almost. You know how like uh, character. A lot of times characters in fiction are able to like, oh, that's Mendelssohn's sixth. Right, as reco- they're so they,
1: great, they're like almost magical or omnipotent.
0: Or like, <clears throat> they're such connoisseurs of the art that they can name the recording. Or they can mm. be like, oh, this was done in his later period and they're...
1: That would be funny, actually. What? Blind guy, like, super loves paintings. Super
0: loves... <laughs> um... Well, paintings are a huge part of the Daredevil TV show. Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, um, he becomes obsessed with a painting called the uh, White Rabbit and White Rabbit in a Snowstorm, or something like that, <laughs> and that's how he meets his wife Vanessa in the television show. But yeah, I like I, I kind of like that trope where like Tony Tony Stark or Bruce or Bruce Wayne or whoever they are, are like the deepest art connoisseurs you've ever met. They know like what year things were painted. It's like Jean-Luc Picard, which we'll talk about later, mm. how he knows, like, oh, God. I just, there was a different time where people people's interests ran deep rather than everyone's interest in everything being shallow. Like, so, do you like paintings? I love paintings. Okay, well, tell me about paintings. Uh, there's, you know, there's the uh, people paint them, and I'd know a good one when I see it. But, like, in ages past, people were so fucking bored all the time because they didn't have... That's ne- true. They yeah. didn't have Netflix series to binge that they'd be like, oh, well, tell me more about this painting. And they'd retain the information. We're becoming shallower human beings is what I'm getting at. Anyway, what did, uh, mm. what did you think? What, you said you hated it.
1: I did hate it.
0: Um, they, they do recap uh, Daredevil's origin story, although I thought they did a pretty good job with that because his origin story is only six panels. It's like about half a page. It takes about half a page to get you um. up to speed.
1: So about his origin story, his dad was a boxer, right? And there's a panel of him where his dad is shot in the back for not taking a fall for a fight like Mm -hmm. he was told to by his manager.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, And it's him like walking from the fight, like going home, you assume. Right. And he's like in a suit carrying a briefcase. Like, what the fuck? This guy's a boxer. Well, nowadays,
0: boxers wear sweatpants and... You know, walk around with their entourages. It's not even
1: like like a duffel bag or something that he could feasibly fit all of his Talk like, about it,
0: I'll find it. I know about Like it. his
1: gloves and his wraps and his shorts and all that stuff into. It's just like this little it almost looks like the old school like um doctor's bags. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah, yeah, like yeah. triangular like shape Like a surgeon's bag. And he's type like thing. in a suit with a tie. And a hat. uh, Yes, a hat. It's the most ridiculous
0: thing. But so, okay, if this was 1986, then he would have died when Matt was a kid, let's say 20 years ago. So 80, 70, 60s. This would be the 60s. Mad men. People still walk around. They walk around in suits. What I'm getting at, again... He's like a
1: working class guy. He's not going to wear a suit with a tie and a hat.
0: Well, that's what everyone wore back then.
1: He would wear like a working man's like jacket with like maybe a button up, but not with a tie and a hat. Telling me like Muhammad a, Ali a,
0: used to dress like a slob? No. Boxers What is this? Boxers used to be classy. He's a shitty boxer. He's a good boxer.
1: Okay, but like he's not Muhammad Ali level boxer. No, He's, he's not. like a local bro boxer. <laughs> Don't argue with me about no. this. This panel is ridiculous. It's
0: true. I like him in a suit. I think it I think it's a dress for the job that you want. He wants to be a world class boxer. Um, you would love Daredevil. you should oh, watch we should actually, watch daredevil for this podcast i have you a would comment on that. another
1: panel in the same page okay so like when the cops show up and they apprehend these perps like bad right. guys, yeah daredevil's just standing there with his hands on his hips like hi guys what's up i did my job how you doing and like what
0: it's very super friends. It's 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 so t- cheesy. It's terribly super friends, but in a great way. Like hello, chum. You there, know, like. <laughs> hello, chum. There's there's a certain. Oh uh, there's my a, god. For me, I did, Were you really exposed? Were you exposed to comics as a kid?
1: Or Not did, this kind of comic. No, 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 no.
0: Okay, you. So you sort of came to I, it. I mean,
1: I did read some Dick older? Tracy.
0: Oh, see, when di- I was younger, di- this is this to me. This comic is very Dick Tracy. There's a certain nostalgia that this kind of comic, the like the comic from the '70s and '80s, really ignite in me. It's a it's a different type of because I get. Nostalgia. I did read
1: comic books like comics like right. um, and um like superhero week
0: comics when I was. Floppies. That's what they call single issues. Ew. I
1: know. I definitely didn't read floppies as a kid. You didn't read
0: single issue comics as growing up? So it was like little like digest size collections? They were my
1: dad's old comics. Okay. So they were like from when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. And Dick Tracy was like kind of weird for the rest of his collection because there was like Archie type comics and like... um, What's that like, Scrooge McDuck or like?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. The, that kind of stuff. Um, dentist, um, Richie Rich, dentist waiting room comics is what you're talking about yeah, right now. Archie of. and Richie Rich, yeah. and yeah. Um, the comics that I came to as a kid. Obviously, this is one that my dad that I got from my dad's mm-hmm. collection. My dad and my uncle Walter, um, growing up, they both loved comics. Like, just collected them. Um, I, I got a big cardboard box full of them when I was really young. But they primarily read. Um, like Savage Sword of Conan, Tarzan, they read a lot of stuff that had been illustrated and like partially written by Joe Kubert. Mm -hmm. So I had a ton of that type of stuff. The like muscly men in dangerous situations. And then there were some superhero comics as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. But when I read these comics, it takes me back to like laying on my grandma Linda's floor as like an a like six, seven, eight year old boy like flipping through these comic books. When I read the '90s comics, the like Jim Lee like giant guns and pouches. Everyone's <laughs> got twenty nine long, twenty nine <laughs> foot long swords and stuff. That takes me back to elementary. Twenty nine
1: s- foot long
0: swords. Well, like elementary school and like early high school. That's when I was mm-hmm. reading a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Like, you walk down to the. I think I've told the story before, but you walk down to the liquor store, and you buy blind bags of comics or whatever. And then, you know, like all of the Alan Moore stuff takes me to high school. So like every stage of my life has a certain type of comic book in it. And when I read this one today, man, you I turned like, into a child Yeah, again. you
1: have like a big nostalgia factor, which I don't have. I did enjoy some of the art in here uh-huh. just from a an artist standpoint and just enjoying kind of like the retro vibe and the, the different style of printing. Hang on. I want to talk about that panel.
0: Uh, okay. Which one?
1: Okay. So there's a panel where... Is it Mr. Hyde? It's not mm-hmm. Dr. Hyde, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mr. Hyde literally rips the corner of a building off.
0: Yeah. Uh, like a weird pillar, like an external pillar. No,
1: it's like a corner of a wall. It's like two walls come together and make a corner and he just rips the corner out. Well,
0: what's this? This looks like an external pillar to me because it looks like a like a jutting. Oh,
1: I guess I saw it as like.
0: Either way, the, the art is bad. I was <laughs> like,
1: are you freaking kidding me? He rips a building piece. He rips part of a building out.
0: This I, the next page. Um, there's no page. I numbers. love when
1: they do this. Yeah, yeah. They do these like concentric circles where he's doing his like
0: s- a, a super, s- super senses or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to talk about these. Like, <clears throat> the it's the next Wait, page in the comic. Um, Sorry, go ahead.
1: Um, isn't shit? What's his name? The guy who um, he was in something. the movie. The Daredevil movie, Ben Affleck. No, he was the bad guy, the villain. How is that that these these go together?
0: Um, How do you mean?
1: I just I think it's super interesting that. Um, Bullseye is a villain from a Daredevil comic and like this concentric circle thing is like his thing But it's also
0: I don't think Daredevil's that this is thing. universal.
1: Oh, it's just this artist.
0: It might be just this artist I've seen a lot I've read a lot of Daredevil comics over the years and I- this co- this does crop up some people choose to represent his like special powers this way But mm-hmm. other people do it other ways okay. Um, what I want to talk about is the layout like, obviously, you guys oh. don't have this comic in front of you, but there's there are panels where, like, you see Daredevil's eyes, and everything below his eyes is normal. Like, you see his cowl and the opening where his mouth is. But everything above his eyes, like, where his head, the top of his head would be, or his brain, we see a, a like weird his sort of, forehead, like...
1: forehead, like, in between his eyebrows. Yeah, like, around. where his,
0: quote-unquote, third eye would be. We see, uh. like, this like this order. shadowy version of a screaming Mr. Hyde and we see that Daredevil, even though he's far away from Hyde, can kind of see his enemy. Um, but like just this layout, this is very like psychedelic art and this and this. these these the stuff when we're in Daredevil's head and mm-hmm. he's using his powers, there's another artist who we I hope we will run into as we do this podcast called Jim Starenko. Who does this type of art I think you'd be very into him He does like a lot of like sexy 60s spy thrillers. stuff sexy 60s Oh, for sure Um, So I I did write a a couple of notes I kind of miss thought bubbles Do you miss... Because in modern comics we don't have thought bubbles anymore That's pretty much removed Now we just use... captions we use mm-hmm. the, the little caption boxes to use thoughts but more often than not will our writers will just let characters thoughts be beneath the surface mm-hmm. and try and show us through dialogue or sh- show us through their actions um
1: i really don't
0: you don't miss thought levels <laughs> okay
1: because that's where they were like retelling us the same exact things they told us in the little boxes gotcha and i was just like we got all this already we don't need to have Daredevil thinking all of these magical things to himself.
0: The other I have I have Step a few in. other notes which I love, which is one um, there's a uh, there's a bit where it says uh, where our narrator tells us he's following a trail that only Daredevil could discern. Hints of scent And I'm with you so far I'm like oh he's following his scent Like a dog I like that And then it goes Ew. Broken chunks of pavement Bent lampposts I know I
1: was like uh... I'm like how fucking
0: Like blind are the cops Blind <laughs> How how like how <laughs> idiotic are the cops in town Where they're like there's, there's like cracked footprints In like leading in a direction And there's like smashed cars and stuff And the cops are like I got no idea I have no fucking idea where he went He could be anywhere Oh
1: I pictured like like miniature cracks like like Couples of inches long And then like Dings in light poles And I was like What the fuck
0: Oh see you You (laughs) did what the writer Wanted you to do Like imagine a very Subtle trail of Minute damage But I saw like Lamp posts bent in half And like (gasps) giant footprints Like crushed into the pavement Like
1: like Bigfoot footprints Right exactly
0: And I'm just like (laughs) The cops are like Daredevil We're never gonna find this guy Use your magical powers But watch out for that Busted lamppost over there And all them crazy footprints We gotta get the city commission Down here to fill those eh It's crazy Crazy this time of year. The salt gets in the uh, footprints. He's,
1: he's in Hell's Kitchen.
0: Oh, okay. I don't know what Hell's. Yeah. It'd be a New Yorker accent. Nyaka. I don't know what that would be. We were on the yeah. East Coast. We should know this. Um, we spent all of like
1: five minutes in New York. I also you hated it.
0: Oh, I I did hate it. It was just too too many people. All right, can we move on? No, not yet. Oh I have another thing. I wrote down Daredevil done fucked up. <laughs> when <laughs> when Mister <laughs> Hyde. What? Mr. Hyde is in his laboratory With a potion that would make him human forever And eliminate the Mr. Hyde thing And Daredevil takes that moment To be like Stop, Hyde, you fiend. And isn't
1: he like saying everything out loud, out loud. at he's that like, time? He's so like, if he just sat and listened for one second.
0: Maybe Daredevil with his super hearing didn't hear this. <laughs> I don't know. But Hyde's like, what? No. But yeah. Find out if it's thought bubbles. Yeah. But hang on. We're he's basically, find he's basically like, what? No. If I were to drink this, then I would never uh, be. Oh, no. Thought. They're thought bubbles. Okay. But still. Oh, yes. It's tranf- transformed the platelets. It
1: will work. And then the rest of it's in thought bubbles, yeah.
0: So it's transformed the playlist. If Daredevil's paying attention at all, he's like, "Oh, maybe I just wait, and this will turn him maybe into maybe he human. can also
1: read thoughts. Who well, knows? This this <laughs> blind magical blind man. He's got
0: he's got the magical blind man. Is that like the magical black man? <laughs> yes. Anyway, he's he's basically like he's like, oh, he could turn into a human, and then I could beat him up. But no, he jumps in, yeah, and hides like. Wait, and he's a- like shouting it too And Hyde even tells him He's like what you've stopped me from doing Was drinking this potion that would make me human forever So anyway I'm like oh daredevil You fucked up and then I wrote down But wait Hyde can just make the potion again <laughs> He's a scientist He did this once before He can totally do this again but then Hyde trashes his whole laboratory um,
1: and decides not to ever do and it.
0: decides not to ever do it I mean maybe he'll change his mind when he calms down but he just <laughs> words he <laughs> after he's done throwing his foot. he's really ramped up in this <laughs> and then uh oh. I had to note it I, we didn't talk about it but at the very end Daredevil is confronted by um his basically his high school bully mm-hmm. whose name is Stinky McQuaid oh my god
1: <laughs> Oh my god As a grown grown adult man man,
0: He introduces himself as Stinky McQuaid To
1: another grown man From his past And his girlfriend He introduces himself to a woman as Hey it's me Stinky
0: (laughs) I used to beat up on Maddie here I always regretted it Anyway I'm gonna go home and uh, kiss my wife Smelly McQuaid (laughs) Yeah, and and our, three kids? our three kids vomit, gross, and booger. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. <laughs> and you know what? Like, you just don't get comics like this anymore. No one does this. I wish they did. I wish we had adult characters named Stinky. Are you laughing at booger? <laughs> I wish you didn't have such a quiet laugh. Sorry. <laughs> talk tell them what you're thinking
1: i just it's just the most ridiculous thing like i want to know a child named booger
0: (laughs) mcquade oh my god i think you're crying you're crying you're (laughs) literally crying well done me all right shall we move on oh
1: yes please
0: okay um the next two issues The next, oh t- we did two issues because I had two in a row that were, it was two issues in the same story arc and they were mm-hmm. sequential. So we have two a two issue chunk of story. It's <laughs> da- <laughs> Booger McCoy. <laughs> yes. I win. Sorry. <laughs> okay. We did Daredevil volume two. Uh, this is the Basically the series I am
1: so mad We don't have the one Right before this
0: Right before this Yes Actually Or this, like
1: Five before this The more
0: you hit the table It makes banging I'm sound I'm It's fine um, But need
1: a Sturdier table One of the
0: reasons That I wanted to do The It came from the short box Is to kind of Pose this question After we're done Talking about him Is Should we pick up More issues in this story or we, could I try and get a trade so that you could read? I, I want to see, basically, like, are you interested enough in the story to get more issues of it? Anyway, maybe like a trade. No, you no, don't
1: care. No, I'm not a Daredevil fan.
0: But, um, but it's interesting to me that it kind of uh, piqued your interest a little bit. It,
1: it's Brian Michael Bendis. Right. OK, I we mean, should tell him what it is. It's fucking... volume
0: two, uh, issue number 32 and issue number 33. We'll talk about them together, hopefully in order. From 2002. Um, 2002. Uh, it was written by Brian Michael Bendis with Alex Maleev on... Wait,
1: I just called him Michael something, didn't I? <sighs>
0: it's okay. Brian Michael Bendis is yes. the writer. Yes. He He's most <laughs> probably most famous for Spider-Man. He did Ultimate Spider-Man for a long time and just fucking knocked it out of the park. Um, or maybe it wasn't Ultimate Spider-Man. Maybe it was Amazing Spider-Man. There was like 26 Spider-Man titles, but he was writing... At one point, Brian Michael Bendis was writing like I think it was eight monthly books or something like that. He's a superstar Sweet. Marvel writer. Jesus, um, <clears throat> Alex Maleev does the art for both issues, but I do want to. No, I'll save it. I'll save it. There's another artist who pops up in here who we have talked about and sucked the dick of on this in show this? before. In this issue, right here. Oh, did you read oh. the? Did you read the bonus story? Oh no, the David Letterman one. I did not. Do you know who did the art for the David Letterman bonus story? It's Mother- Jim Lee, isn't it? It's motherfucking Greg Capullo. Wait, really? Yeah, it's the guy who does all the new Rob Schneider Batman stuff. Zack Snyder. No, Zack Snyder's a director. <laughs> Not Rob Snyder. What the fuck is that guy's name? Anyway, hmm. it's the writer that I often no, I didn't give shit. Read that. Tim Snyder, whatever it doesn't matter. We, anyway. we come to Batman for Greg Capullo's hmm. art, and he draws a Jay Leno Spider Man background story. But we're skipping that for now. Mm-hmm. Okay, Daredevil number thirty-two. This is the start of a new storyline. It's called Out. Um, again, I kind of like. So there's
1: there's nothing before this. We just kind of jump right in. No, no, in all this...
0: stories lead into each other. It's all an ongoing okay, okay, story. Okay. Um. Usually if they're going to start like a whole new thing.
1: But I mean like this is not the beginning of a new arc, right? We have at least one or two issues before we this. We have one
0: 31 arc. issues before this arc. Because they rebooted it at zero. And that's basically you can think of it like if they want to start, at, if they want to wipe the slate clean and start a new story, they'd start it at one. So this, what do you, what do you know? Go ahead.
1: Well, you know how like there's like a, a comic arc or whatever, like. I feel like we jumped halfway into an arc. Is this really a 30 something issue, 40 something issue arc?
0: Yeah, probably. Like it, the the ish the stuff they talk about in this issue is massive like they mention that Wilson Fisk has been has known that Daredevil is Daredevil for a long time Wilson Fisk is the kingpin um they talk about how his men are making moves they talk about how Vanessa found you got to think that all of that information was covered in previous issues like we clear we must have seen the attempt on the kingpin's life so that what I'm saying is that this There are like many stories in a a long, 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 long arc Like an arc of Sandman is like 12 issues But the whole story of Sandman Which is all interconnected is 12 volumes So yes, we jumped in in the middle of a story There's a lot of issues before this Um, This one covers it's It's actually a good place to jump in If you have to jump in somewhere Because they give you enough backstory That you know what's happened It'd be cool to see it, obviously I
1: had a really hard time keeping everybody straight How do you mean? Uh, they mention a ton of different players mm-hmm. and i'm just like i don't know who fucking any of these people are
0: mm. i did i've read the comic a couple times before but um i and you have a history with this character and this world i don't that's true and i like that you're coming to it with fresh eyes i i didn't have that same complaint and basically we get the F, like two fbi guys see there's the
1: concentric circle this thing again mm-hmm.
0: so we get two fbi guys and they call their fbi director up in mm-hmm. the middle of the night and they're like hey Basically, the state of things is the kingpin, who's the main daredevil villain, who runs Hell's Kitchen, has been, like, uh, quote-unquote, assassinated. We find out later that he's not actually dead, and he's been whisked out of the country by his wife, Vanessa. Vanessa ordered all the assassins. Ex-wife? Uh, yeah, I think- ex wife? I think it's ex-wife at this point, but she's still very loyal to him. Hmm. She has ordered, basically, all of the conspirators who tried to have him killed, killed. Mm-hmm. So she ordered a bunch of hits. One guy got away, and he has confessed to the feds that everybody knows who Daredevil is. Everybody in the Kingpin's camp knows who Daredevil is. There's so some For like,
1: protection. He wants to get protection right. from the mob. He's trying
0: to make a deal. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you who Daredevil is if you guys, you know, save me mm-hmm. from getting whacked by Vanessa. Everybody's in Boston. In my head, they're all Bostonians. But that's a terrible Boston accent, too. I don't know what that is. That's a Jersey. <laughs> they're all in New Jersey. Oh, man. But anyway... um, that's all like a mob subplot, basically, like organized crime, family hits and stuff.
1: I really liked that. Did you? Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Is it because we just watched the, the first episode of The Sopranos no. not too long ago?
1: <laughs> no, I just like the, um, it really grounds you in the real world right like there's this real world stuff going on it's not just like magical daredevil with his magical abilities well i actually <laughs> I, I wrote
0: down um brian michael bendis has a crime comics background so the the mob mafia angle is like actually his wheelhouse we I have a comic by him upstairs called jinx it's like a 500 page crime epic um but uh, it's really interesting for me. W- with the meat for me, I love the like mafia stuff. But the meat for me was how they broke down in this issue, th- uh, number thirty-two. How they made all the connections between Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. You realize as the FBI guys are breaking it down, they're like, "Well, we did some digging because basically the guy says like Matt Murdock is Daredevil, and everyone's like, he's a blind lawyer."
1: Mm-hmm. But these two
0: FBI guys dig into it, mm-hmm. and they're like. Uh, Daredevil has, like, Murdoch has been present, or or Daredevil has been present at, like, several attempts on Matt Murdoch's life. Matt Murdoch was present at, like, these ten big crazy things that happened where Daredevil showed up. No one, we can't find any record of, like, them being, like, seen together. There's a ton. Oh, right,
1: and the whole, like, um... Electra dies on his doorstep or Yeah something? like his
0: ex-girlfriend Is the <clears throat> king Because uh, Bullseye is uh, Bullseye and Electra both worked for the kingpin But like uh, Electra this famous assassin Was Matt Murdock's Girlfriend in high school and she died On his doorstep and everyone's like Oh shit Daredevil and Electra Wait a minute like When they break it down There is a stack of fairly obvious evidence that would reinforce that Matt Murdock is definitely Daredevil. Mm -hmm. And And,
1: uh, they even say about the the radioactive accident and they're like, we've seen weird shit happen like this before where people get superpowers from this. It's not unheard
0: of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, he's a blind guy. And they're like, we found an accident where he saved an old man. And uh, like his dad had been killed by it. They, they establish motive. His dad had been killed by a supervillain and right. that supervillain was found dead of a heart attack. And then like Matt Murdock as a kid gets hit in the face with radioactive goo. And the guy says, um, it's not without peer. He says there's other instances, Spider-Man. There's mm-hmm. other instances of radioactive shit turning people into the superheroes. Hulk. My favorite line in here is what the FBI director says. He goes, do you know what happened? He goes, Jesus, do you know what happened to me if I got hit in the face with radioactive mm-hmm. slu- uh, sludge? I'd get leukemia and die, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason that that like sits with me when i when it hits me, it's like fuck,
1: I almost feel like he knows and he's covering
0: well, he does he buries it <laughs> like immediately, mm-hmm. um, I
1: mean he could just be burying it because like. I don't want to get into this, or like it's so ridiculous, or somebody higher up the chain is going to yell at me if I dig into it.
0: Well, his his file is like a code twelve seven, which means that Shield has like locked his it's file. Got eyes on it. Matt yeah. Murdock, not Daredevil. They've mm-hmm. locked the civilian's file down, and they're like, "Why would Shield be looking at a blind lawyer in Hell's Kitchen?" And basically, the cops are like, "I'm telling you, boss, something stinks here. I want to dig mm-hmm. into it." And the boss is like. <laughs> I want you to bury it. I want you to bury it and ju-
1: But hasn't he also like worked for the mob or something like that? Which one? Matt Murdock.
0: Uh yeah, he was a lawyer. He was the kingpin's lawyer for a while. Right. They do that in the TV show too. It's awesome.
1: Right. So like that could be a reason. Mm. I mean, obviously Matt Murdock is daredevil but that is a reason that maybe shield has locked his files because he's because he worked with the for the mob and maybe the, he's like giving them information it's or not
0: ironclad but it's pretty mm-hmm. strong like there's a little bit of gray area but th- basically these two fbi guys are like boss i seriously mm-hmm. think we should look at this and the boss is like you know it yeah, d- nah. it's not relevant to our our investigation so that's what i really i really liked that and i what i what you said about the mob angle, grounding it in like a real feeling world. Mm-hmm. That's why I like that. I would get leukemia and die line so much. It this, this is, there's no superheroes in this at they all. They
1: swear a lot in here.
0: They do. You notice
1: that. I was like, Ooh, they blank I like them, this. They blank them out,
0: <laughs> but they do swear. But what I like about it is it feels there's no, there's no daredevil in this issue. He doesn't suit up in this issue at all. What I like about this is it feels we
1: don't even see Matt Murdock in this issue. No, we we don't.
0: We We don't see anybody. Mm -hmm. There's no. It's all FBI. We see
1: Foggy at the very end.
0: We see Foggy at the end, but this is all like the FBI talking about like mob hits and like maybe this blind guy is a superhero. Mm -hmm. But it feels like the real, like the real people. That populate a crazy superhero world There's another comic very like (laughs) that Which I think you'd like called GCPD The Gotham City Police Department It just follows the cops of Gotham And every once in a while Batman shows up But Mm -hmm. mostly it's them doing like the grunt cop work And like how (laughs) would cops deal with Killer Croc and Clayface Mm -hmm. and the Joker Um, Go ahead and take a look At the last page I think it might even be The last panel I am pretty sure that there's a naked woman in the last panel and the artist snuck it in.
1: In the last panel? It's
0: either on the last page or the last panel. It's right there. The top panel yeah. of the last page. Uh, woman. Oh. Legs spread. Oh, yeah. There's nipples. And I think that that line- That's a vagina that's right a there. That's a vagina. <laughs> there is a naked woman that the artist, Alex Maliev snuck into this fucking book. And I was so delighted to see it. It's like really goofy. like. What is the title of this? Is it- cocoa gel
1: <laughs> what is the title on that <laughs> <laughs> fucking magazine well, yeah what
0: are the marvel marvel <laughs> points i think it's c- it's cacao gel <laughs> no i think it's co- cacao i don't know man i don't know i don't know either but it's uh what did you think of the art style by the way we haven't talked about the art um, at all the story you know, is really cool i actually
1: really enjoyed it um
0: yeah so it did i feels so did I. a
1: little digital to me
0: Do you you think it's because the colors are so digitally done? I don't think that the line work is digital.
1: Um, It almost feels like they took photos of everything and then put a filter over it. Um, but not all of the panels feel like that. Like these ones with the FBI agents, definitely feel like somebody drew these and right. inked them yeah. with a um, like a brush. It, but these ones with Foggy feel like somebody took a photo and then traced over the photo or like rotoscoping. It. Yeah, this um, almost feels like some Tim, of the photos inside feel that way too. Do you remember some of the-
0: Tim Bradstreet? You know Tim Bradstreet is. He does the the Punisher covers, the hyper realistic kind of like almost pointillist style, heavy shadow. Mm, I'll have to look him up. Okay. He's, he's really, really interesting. And this, this kind of, we're going to get our comic book dialogue back. We're going to know artists and have shorthand again. This is going to be so fun. I'm so excited we're doing this, but Tim Bradstreet's art is to me very similar to this. Do you want to move on to issue 33 or do you have more for um, this? I do
1: have more. Okay. Um, two things. I love this cover. Yeah.
0: that I love great. it so
1: much. Um, it's a great cover. It's beautifully drawn. Um, it's like a photograph of Matt Murdock. It's a, it's um, supposed to be the cover of the Daily Globe. And it looks like somebody has gone around Matt Murdock with a red marker and drawn the outline. The Daredevil out Of outfit. Daredevil and, and put, the put the DD on his, his chest.
0: chest. Mm-hmm. It's
1: really really cool it's really striking
0: especially with i remember seeing this as a kid and it says daily globe it's it is literally you're looking at a photo on a newspaper and seeing it you're like oh shit has and it's it kind of hints at the plot but like Mm -hmm. it's like that uh when spider-man was unmasked the the issue was it literally said spider-man unmasked and you're like Mm -hmm. and he's at a press conference with tony stark and you're like what he can't He's gonna really be unmasked. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. This the second issue is a little bit more on the nose. Issue number thirty-three. Oh, um, how do you mean? I
1: actually have three things. Okay, good. So that was number one. Yeah. Number two, I love all of the '90s ads. Oh, in I here. know. going Oh my through god, it. it's such they a like blast for, from the past. They have
0: ads for Crash Bandicoot and Jack have, and Daxter. Yeah, um, oh my god.
1: Um, and then they have like those um. Uh, tobacco is wacko if you're a teen type. Right, ads.
0: oh my god they're so funny um there's... yeah yep those things like pop up on it's Facebook. So I'm not funny. on Facebook anymore, but my brother used to send me these videos that said like things you remember hearing if you were a kid in the 90s. And it's basically those like wacky 90s commercials like Gushers. <laughs> They're kicking the mouth. What is this? Teen pregnancy? Um,
1: no, it's got a photo of a bunch of friends on top. They're playing like some sort of water splashing game. And then there's a girl on the bottom by herself sitting like on her bed and she's looking all cranky. And it says sometimes just hanging out with your friends is all it takes to have a good time. But instead you you are here and has an arrow pointing at the photo of the
0: girl because you smoked weed and your parents found out. (laughs) Well, she shouldn't have done capital D drugs. Oh, Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, Oh, I think honestly, you know what? I think sometime in the future, I'm not kidding. Sometime in the future, I would like to grab some old nineties style comics and smoke some weed and read '90s <laughs> comics and just see if I cry, basically. <laughs> um, so the cover. Uh, let's speaking of that cover. Let's move on to issue number thirty-three. This mm-hmm. is uh, bas- it's the issue that immediately follows the issue we just talked about. It continues the story of um, like uh, Daredevil's basically, Marvel
1: Knights. Does this one say that?
0: No, they switched the line right here, but it's okay. it is a continuation of the same story. It's Brian Bendis. It's Alex right, Maleev. Right. Um,
1: oh it does yeah this little boop right under the marvel
0: mk marvel yeah. Knights. they just switched the logo or I just swapped. Just, so anyway probably the,
1: because of the layout on this cover they didn't do the whole boom and the daredevil boom thing
0: so this one follows at the end of the first issue the the fbi director goes guy basically says bury this i don't want you leave matt murdoch alone i don't want this leaving this fucking mm-hmm. room you guys mm-hmm. i'm going back to bed um, and then we basically see that one of the one of the two FBI guys or beat cops or whoever they are is not making enough money, and there's a lot of tension at home because mm. they're him and his wife or girlfriend are working wife he has ring, a wedding ring later they're working in opposite shifts. Mm-hmm. The money's really tight; they can't afford anything. He's mm-hmm. never home. Yeah. So we see that he uh, calls the. The Globe, basically, mm-hmm. and is like, are you guys still paying for big stories? And he sells the story. So mm-hmm. what we deal, we kind of see that backstory, which is kind of funny. Tobacco is wacko if you're a teen. Mm-hmm. So we see him him struggling at home, struggling with his wife. They're not talking. Okay. She leaves.
1: So he goes to The Globe again at the end of this one. And I'm wondering... He hasn't
0: gone to The Globe yet. The, the, the Globe, we go into a flashback. Oh. The opening of the issue is... Foggy Nelson goes back to Matt Murdock's house, yeah. and there's a thousand reporters waiting yeah. outside, and they're like,
1: "Oh, I love."
0: Do want to, it? you want to plow through the plot really quick, yeah, and then sure. we can dig into the details? Um, he gets out of the car, and the reporters are like, "Foggy, Foggy, is it true, Matt Murdock, Daredevil? He's going to jail?" And Foggy's like, "He's a blind guy. You guys need to all go home." And then we get this panel that says, "I think it's like, yeah." Two days ago, we oh, dive into a deep okay. flashback. Okay, so okay. we see this guy, uh, the cop. I
1: totally didn't even. Right, I didn't even see it So
0: the cop has problems at home. He's short on money, so he goes and does like some like off the clock PI work, where mm-hmm. he stakes out Matt Murdock's house, and I he sees the Black Widow show up at Matt Murdock's apartment in New York City. Okay. Black, because that that girl that he's this is Black mm-hmm, Widow, mm-hmm. who he's yeah. so he's like staking it out. And uh, he goes, he basically goes into the law firm and he says, Is Matt Murdock in? And she's like, No. And then he goes and sits back in his car, and Black Widow goes into the law firm through an upstairs window, like that superhero y type shit, like secretive meetings and stuff. So he realizes that that's very strong evidence that Matt mm-hmm. is Daredevil. There's superheroes showing up at his in the middle of the night at his law firm. So then he makes the connection. He does some more research and he finds Daily Bugle stories relating the Black Widow to Daredevil. And he's like, OK, I think I got a strong connection here. Then we fast forward a little bit. He calls uh, about he calls the I think it's either the globe or the daily bugle And sells his, the information that he has And the rest of the issue the, the front and back of it Are Foggy and Matt having a conversation Where Matt's like how did this happen mm-hmm. And Foggy's like you've been super careless with your secret And someone found it out Because you don't cover your tracks that well And the, the last bit of the, the panel Or the last bit of the comic is uh, Foggy saying maybe it's time to retire mm-hmm. Yeah. So with all with all That plot summary done what did you think of this issue?
1: Um, i just kind of like meh about this one. <laughs>
0: what did it? What did this one not have that you that the other one did have that you missed or that you liked more? It
1: it got a little angsty at the end, like you're not taking care of yourself and um, you're not watching your back and blah blah blah. Maybe you need to retire, right? But we know he's not gonna because uh, it's daredevil, daredevil and there would be no comic. Um. So I just, I just don't really care about that. Um, I do like the relationship between Foggy and Matt Murdock, though.
0: I actually, I do, too. Um, I actually wrote the same thing down, basically, that you did. I said, this one's a little bit quick and shallow for me. It mm-hmm. kind of feels like an installment in a, like, a soap opera or something, yeah. where there, it almost, this feels like a filler issue before we dive into, m- like, more crazy mm-hmm. plot stuff. I feel like this one was a bit brief. Yeah. Um. So I really don't have anything for this. The art is good. I really, really like the art. Like this panel it's right the here same is gorgeous. It's the same artist, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's Alex yeah. Maliv. But I think in some ways, because this doesn't all just take place in a dark like um, briefing room, mm-hmm. I think we get to see some maybe it's the colors that i really like or the colorist but seeing his his a little bit more range mm-hmm. like seeing matt murdock's house and seeing him do interesting things with perspective when we have the guy looking up as um black widow's running across the skyline i think that those are really interesting um like i and this again when matt murdock wakes up and sits up in bed i mm-hmm. love that panel i think that's just beautiful it's a full page splash
1: and you know this this bit right here this got into like I'm magical daredevil thing too much for me. I was like, you uh, can't fucking. And he like, can
0: smell the saline drops in their eyes. Well, I that like, was,
1: come on. Well, really? that's that's
0: always been the dare, the daredevil thing, though. Is he's from
1: wherever he is in his apartment all the way down. To wherever with all the like windows closed, and all the doors clo- no.
0: I think that's pretty well established that he. Anyway, anyway I mean it, that, the saline drops in the eyes. That was a bit much for me, but like the bad aftershave, the coffee, like that that stuff I I like. He does have like that. He does have like really truly a ag-
1: croissant. I want a croissant.
0: When I saw the uh, <laughs> the picture of Foggy Nelson, the illustration of Foggy with the donut in his mouth,
1: <laughs> almost pink donut. I wanted yeah. that pink donut so um, bad. There is one thing that they do artistically that I thought was really great. Mm. Um, There's a big panel where Foggy is arriving at the apartment. Oh,
0: the bubbles. And
1: yes. And all the reporters are there like up in his grill. Mm. And the top like third of the panel is just speech bubbles of these people talking over each other. Uh And it's just like a cloud
0: of noise. Yeah, everyone is saying different stuff. I think
1: it was fantastically done and very well thought out. Yeah, I agree. So, bravo art team.
0: Yes, and I did before we go out. I know you didn't read it and I'm kind of bummed. Like in the future when we do these, I know you don't like you just read the back matter. No! If there's a bonus story, read it. There was a there was a bonus story you in can't the back. You make me called Jay Leno and Spider-Man One Night Only, and I wanted to talk about it so goddamn bad. It's written by Ron Zimmerman. It's part three of three. Greg,
1: Seriously, they did
0: more than one of yeah, these? Yeah, well, they're just little short installments, like four one pages. One night only,
1: huh? It's three well, it's issues? it's four little
0: pages, but basically Jay Leno and Spider-Man have teamed up to shoot a commercial, and uh... While they're trying to shoot the commercial, ninjas show up, and mafia hitmen show up, and Jay Leno jumps on a motorcycle, and they're trying to escape, and they have to fight back to back against all these ninjas, and Spider-Man's trying to angle for an appearance on Jay Leno's show, and Jay's saying, no, you'll choke. It's really fun and funny, um, and the art by done by the great Craig Capullo. You're literally, if you put a Batman mask on Jay Leno's face, <laughs> you're reading Scott Snyder. That's his name. You're reading Scott, Scott Steiner and, and Greg Capullo's Batman comics. The art is so good. But there's one moment in there that I really wanted to just talk to you about and point out, but you didn't see it. But uh, Jay Leno's like, he's like talking big. He's like, ah, I'd kick their, kick their asses. You know, like you're never going to get, I don't even need you, Spider-Man. I could just kick their asses. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically some ninjas show up after Sp- Spider-Man beat up a bunch of thugs. Mm-hmm. And then ninjas show up. And they're outnumbered. And Jay's like, What are we gonna do, Spidey? And Spider-Man's like, Oh, da- uh, Jay, I thought you could uh I thought you could beat him up and he's like, Well that was before they were here or whatever, you know. He, just, he makes a little like a quick crack. And then one of the ninjas says, Now you die, Dave. David Letterman, his number one competition. And Jay Leno goes, What'd you call me? And then he kicks all the ninjas' asses. It's fucking <laughs> amazing. The little backstory in this, this little like back matter. See like I would just be like Leto I Kong. don't know what that is about. Oh my god, it was so funny. It, I I absolutely loved it. Um but that that is all I have. So th- there you go. <laughs> 3 Daredevil comics from the short box.
1: We might have to do just two next time because this is a lot of talking.
0: It did. This went long. I think two issues is going to be good, okay. especially if we're going to go this deep. I didn't think we I didn't think you would have as much as you did. <laughs> I'm glad you did though. Yeah, we'll just do two issues from now okay. on. Two issues. So, uh, yeah, shall little... we move on to our main feature? Yes. Okay. We are reading uh Bird mentioned it earlier that it's a bit it's a bit of a controversial pick, but we wanted to start with something heavy and meaningful and powerful and beautiful.
1: Oh, I didn't realize there was stuff in the back.
0: Um, you shouldn't read it because it gives away. oh, it gives away okay. something that I, I will talk about it when we get into it. But okay. we are reading a beautiful, big graphic novel called Lost Girls, written by Alan Moore and uh, illustrated by Melinda Gebby. And in classic, I when I've there's a couple editions of it out you can get a paper like the paperback trade paperback version of it but when I flipped it open for the first time and saw the artwork
1: run my mic over
0: the artwork and how the artwork is done I bought the deluxe hard this thing
1: is massive it's
0: very big um, but yeah this is the like art book version it's it's hardcover it's put out by top shelf comics I think it's the it's the like limited artist and writers edition. It was kind of expensive too, but worth every penny. It's absolutely beautiful. And in classic Alan Moore style, it's not, um, it's not, it, basically what it is, is it's a retelling of three traditionally female kind of fairy tale, folk tale stories as erotica. So it's he, it's Alan Moore and and Melinda Gebbie reimagining. It's like their sexual awakenings, right? Right, but he and we're only talking about the first two, so we're not going to get into what he what they literally do is they reimagine like the for the the famous one that everyone looks at is the Peter Pan story because that's the controversial one, but um. They reimagine Peter Pan as though Peter Pan was an allegory for a young girl's sexual awakening. They do the mm-hmm. same thing. It, that's all it is. It's Alan Moore essentially writes the smartest. It's not, it's, this is not like a smut book at all, but this is, uh, it's the smartest, most in depth, most interesting, reimagined erotica that you've ever read. So he is very sexy it is incredibly sexy and we can talk about that. My first question, <laughs> I, it was going to be my my last question but since you brought mm-hmm. it up. Um and we'll, we're going to have to deal with this cuz this is like a 400 page book. So we're going to have to, you know, talk about this for several months. Okay. Um did this book turn you on? A little bit. So yeah. me too. I was very surprised like reading this book because the the art style is it's not it's not modern comics art. No. Not at all. No. There's a little there are touches and of art nouveau. It's not
1: even like highly realistic art either.
0: No. Have have you do you have, have any familiarity with Victorian erotica at all? No. OK, this we should look at some, but you should look at some before the next issue. This is done in the style of Victorian erotica.
1: Um, and I flipped through and I saw some places where um, she does different styles of art that are clearly um, pulling from very famous Victorian artists. Like, um, right. I'm drawing a blank. Okay. We can add this in somewhere. We
0: don't have to. <laughs> we can just draw a blank and we can talk about uh, it next yeah. week. Um, but the, the, uh, I have a reading ahead because I can't read two things at a time. I, I, I just can't keep it all in my head if I do. So I'm, I'm plowing through it. So in the future, they talk specifically. They, they repeatedly reference Art Nouveau. Yes There yeah. are definitely Art Nouveau touches in here w- One thing I love And the art style does change mm-hmm. Gabby has a lot of range She doesn't just do the same thing over and over Like for example when we're in the real world She draws in one style A lot of really soft colors And then when we are in people's stories Or in flashbacks The art style oh. changes So you, this is ahead of where we're going to talk Sorry, about today I should that's, not
1: have flipped forward Anyway That's okay. fine
0: Um So, I mean, part of the draw of this comic for me is how it's it's so weird. Like when you read The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by Alan Moore Mm -hmm. and you flip it open, it looks kind of like that, that like really, really uh, like stipply line work that the artists do. It reads and looks like an Alan Quartermain novel or The Portrait of Dorian Gray. It has those that feel of those literary novels. And when you open this comic, it reads and feels like Victorian erotica. The only reason I know anything about Victorian erotica is cuz when I was in college, I wanted to write a I was I was a, an assignment for class and it was like write in a, a a style gone by or whatever, write mm-hmm. in an old style. And a lot of people were like, I'm going to do Shakespeare. I'm going to do Shakespeare. And I was like, I'm going to do Victorian erotica. Mm -hmm. Or he he was either that or it was going to be like the Penny Dreadful, like pulp grind novel thing. Mm -hmm. So I read a lot of Victorian erotica and it was, it's really fun. And all the art looks like this. So it's like he produced a modern volume of like a lost art in Mm -hmm. some weird Mm way. Um, So... Do you want to start? We're going to do it. We're going to do it by chapters because the book is broken into very short chapters. We're going to do chapter 1 and chapter 2. And you don't have to buy the like super crazy art version of this, but if you're going to to get the most out of our podcast, I would recommend getting a copy of this. You can probably get it from your library. Um and if you have a local comic shop or on Amazon, pick up a copy and you can go through, I mean read the whole book, but if you want to dig into it with us chapter by chapter, it'll be useful to have a copy. We'll talk about it as best we can though. Um, do you want to just start with chapter? Well, let's yeah, start we with chapter end? one. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did you think?
1: Um, I really didn't like so much how this chapter was set up. It's all. Um, the panels are all showing a mirror.
0: Right. Every single panel.
1: Yes, every single panel. And I just. I got kind of bored slash annoyed. Okay. Like I understood that they were trying to do something here. I'm not really sure what they were trying to do.
0: Okay. I was going to ask cause um, I think I know what they were trying to do,
1: but it was just like, I need something different. So those couple of panels where like people are in front of the mirror or like, um, they're moving it they're like shipping it across the world or whatever. Like that was a really welcome relief for me. Um, I love the panel where the maid the maids are like in her room talking shit about her Uh and then steal her money
0: I I was wondering if she left that out for the maids oh like because it's not there the night before and she's in a hotel so I thought she was like thank you for cleaning up like how you can leave a tip for the maids on the dresser or whatever so I think that that's what that was. I
1: thought she was like living somewhere and this was her house and these were her maids.
0: She is living somewhere, mm-hmm. but we see her move from here to a hotel. Right. So mm-hmm. I assumed that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the the mirror conceit. I really liked the mirror conceit. I'll dig into it deeper in a mm-hmm. second. But what I like about it is she has that conversation with um, Monsieur uh, uh, Roger. When she says, when he's like, I'm a big, you misunderstand, I'm a big admirer mm-hmm, of your work. Right. She she writes erotica. Mm-hmm. Um, and where the woman we're talking about, by the way, is an important character. Her name is... Um, Lady believe, Fairchild. Lady Fairchild, yes. Um, she says, I disagree with your take on literature. He says, fiction is the mirror that we hold up to the world. And he says, fiction is not a mirror. Right. Or she the, the woman. She's, she quotes Plato and Plato. says, "Fiction's yeah. not a mirror. Fiction is... She essentially says fiction is a reality, rarefied, more vivid, more real. She says it's, she calls it the ideal. Mm-hmm. So she says, this world, our world, the world we're in, is dull and flat and pale and boring. So, what I like, um, we have to discuss the twist ending to discuss this. Mm-hmm. So, the twist at the end of this issue, uh, the whole time, she is we see her in kind of we see somebody in bed we see limbs we hear dialogue that's like you know like spread your legs I just like to watch mm-hmm. um and like you're she says we hear uh, we don't know who's speaking but some of the word balloons say things like oh your your breasts will never be this beautiful again once you're grown mm-hmm. and the uh The uh, maids say like, "Oh, she's in here with young girls, right? Like very. Mm -hmm. The implication is like very young girls. She's in here with like like prepubescent. Where is that? That's our. It's right there. Will you grab it? That's our one o'clock warning, so we can get to our play on time. We might have to put a pin in this, but uh, we'll come back to it after we get home. But uh. So, we get the the sense that she's having, like, really, like, philandering dalliances with really young girls.
1: Before the maids even came in, I thought it was a man in there with a young woman.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And
1: then when they reveal that it's, like, an older woman, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Right,
0: and then she talks about how she is, like, really, she's on drugs and she's all fucked up. So, there's, like, these weird, like, like opium, laudanum-fueled sex sexual escapades with very young girls is what we think
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but at the end there's
1: nobody else in the room with her
0: yeah at the end we find out that she's alone Mm -hmm. and she goes over she asks like how did i look and that we hear another voice say you know you looked marvelous you looked very unladylike very and the first voice goes but not old right not old
1: And then like, don't answer that or something. Yeah, don't
0: answer that. Kiss me goodnight. And we see Lady Fairchild stand up off the bed and walk over to the mirror and kiss Kiss the the mirror. mirror. So Lady Fairchild, that fucking blew my mind. She's been alone this whole time and she's having a conversation with herself, her younger self, her, she's imagining that she is a, her younger her. And the reason that I had, we had to talk about the twist ending to talk about the, the mirror conceit. Is you know who Lady Fairchild is? Is she Alice? She's Alice.
1: Okay, Alice I through don't the know looking anything glass. That's the only thing I could guess, but S- I've never read that.
0: Well, there's that line. There's that line she says where like the the mirror doesn't the the uh, the barrier doesn't break anymore, turning to silvery mist. Right. So once upon a time this young Alice, this young sexually awakening girl, which is what we're going to talk about pretty much every week as we read this book is young girls having their sexual awakening. So buckle in. But, um, this, that, that defining peak moment for her, she's trying to recapture it with Mm -hmm. drugs or with like sex with in front of this mirror and this weird voyeurism. Mm -hmm. But the reason I think that Alan Moore chose to, only let us look at the mirror and see reflections of everything is because it does become repetitive we don't ever get to see the vivid real world beyond the mirror
1: so we're trapped like she is we're
0: trapped like she is she is forever gazing at that mirror praying for something more for the art to open up for the world to open mm-hmm. up and like give her that expansive but she does, she can't do it because she's old now And that that time of her life is past that that youthful, the
1: innocence, the
0: innocence, the exuberance, that that peak moment of atomic bomb awakening can never be recaptured. And now she's trapped in like this Mm -hmm. pale. It was I I was bored, too, after like the second page. Mm -hmm. But then I started to kind of understand what he was getting at and by the last page I was like that is beautiful it's Mm -hmm. it was haunting um I wrote down um we're not looking out through the mirror that's what I thought at first is that Mm. we were like behind the mirror watching but we're not we're gazing into the mirror we're we're basically sitting in the chair where someone would sit to brush their hair and watch the mirror and uh it, later, and this is, I'm getting ahead, but I, I just have to, because it does tie back. So since I'm reading ahead, I'll try and make connections where I can. Uh, in chapter six, Fairchild's going to say to another character, she says that she finds furtive voyeurism, repulsive. But I think the word furtive is really important because this whole first chapter is about sort of like auto voyeurism.
1: Well, in chapter two,
0: too. Right. I've got something. Yeah. <laughs> um, it Do you want to just go on? Uh yeah, I don't think I had I I wrote down I thought she might be the wicked queen you know like mirror mirror on the oh. wall well because I saw a mirror and right I if if it had been called a looking glass I would have got mm. it immediately but they right. call it a mirror so I was like oh is this the Snow White queen and she's such a bitch to the maids yeah she's like no you stupid fucking woman you know she she doesn't say fucking but she's right. like yells at the maid who's brushing her hair and I'm then I'm like wait a minute the She can't go through the mirror anymore. I'm like, oh shit, is this Alice all grown up? Oh fuck. That's
1: the only thing that I could guess. Um. Okay. So chapter two, I have a guess on who this is. You already know. I know
0: who it is because I've I've read a little bit ahead, but I misidentified her. I totally misidentified her. So who did you think it was? Cinderella. It's not That's who I thought That's who I thought it was too And I completely It's because of the shoes The slippers And then like she
1: talks about Her her mom dying And then her stepmother And she she says My
0: stepmother You know Says it's better to give Than receive and there's the it's silver shoes and mm-hmm. she meets a prince at night and when she goes back to bed she like I thought like she was leaving her shoes outside the door like losing a slipper at a ball mm-hmm. like maybe oh. she was trying to recapture the
1: I, yeah I have questions about that but anyway
0: yeah me too I want to dig into that at the mm-hmm. end but there are a couple of hints here um her is she famously a redhead. She is not I don't, I don't think yes that I think are. she is, but um it's this is important. There's one clue in I thought it was Cinderella until mm-hmm. I read ahead and found out who it actually was. There's a very, mm-hmm. very obvious her, she when she tells her story, you're like, oh, fuck. it's she's from, from the La-.
1: Midwest. and Cinderella she, is
0: not from the Midwest, Cinderella Cinderella's European. So who would come from Kansas? Really? It's Dorothy. from Dorothy
1: had black hair. It's
0: Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. I don't know what the red hair thing is about. Um, She
1: just happens to have red hair. She just
0: happens to have red hair in this. But yeah, it's Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz is the second character we're introduced to. But she lives with her
1: aunt and uncle in...
0: And she... That's why she stumbles over stepmom. She Rather than say, like, my aunt and uncle. She says in her later story, like, after her parents came to pass, she went and lived with her aunt and uncle. But... um, she, I think she's just glossing over like a complex family history, essentially. Gotcha. But yeah, this is Dorothy. The second person that we're meeting is Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. I thought it was Cinderella. The, the story even plays out like the mm-hmm. Cinderella story, mm-hmm. and I think that's intentional. Because Alan Moore only gave himself three people to work with, but he probably gotcha. wanted to touch on a <laughs> wide variety mm-hmm. of fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So he probably just used this character to explore the Cinderella myth. Or the the Cinderella fairy tale, you know, in brief before moving on and developing gotcha. his character more further. Yeah. So I think that for all intents and purposes in chapter two, we can read this as Cinderella.
1: So who is this guy? Is he anybody special or is he just some weirdo who likes shoes?
0: I don't know. He doesn't I'm all the way to chapter seven and he has not popped up again.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: So for right now, he's just a weirdo yeah. who likes shoes. He really likes shoes. So we should talk really quickly about this. Um one, we may have stressed it before, but let's stress it again. The artwork in this book is amazing. It really is. The artwork is superlative, and I think that
1: most of it is colored pencil. I agree, and I think that like the depth, there's of there's definitely past and the pastel. Range.
0: There's definitely pastel work, but yeah. it's beautiful, like oil pastels. Some of the richness I don't think you could really get from. But anyway, it's it's absolutely beautiful. This has some of my favorite figure drawings I've ever seen. I have specific pieces of art I want to talk about, but, oh, and I'm, okay. I am watching the clock over your head, so don't worry, we're safe. Um, but the other thing we need to stress, we have to stress this, is this book is erotica it's very clever erotica it's written by Alan Moore it's super brilliant the writing is crazy sharp the metaphors are deep it'll expand your mind and blow your brain out the back of your head but there's a lot of penises vaginas there's people ejaculating this is definitely this is this is it's not porn this is definitely erotica though this is this takes sex head-on every time but and <laughs> And it's some of it's a little bit um, it's this is not vanilla sex either. This is not like, oh, Reginald, I I love it when we have a firm handshake after our 14 seconds of missionary. This particular issue, it covers a guy who has a shoe fetish Mm -hmm. who comes all over her her fancy, her brand new, new fancy new shoes. Yeah.
1: In the bushes outside the hotel. Right. Like, not even very far outside the
0: hotel. No, like, they're very... Because up, they're witnessed. You
1: can... Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's somebody watching. in the window. I
0: think that this is... Um,
1: Lady Fairchild? Lady Fairchild. Because yes. she's the
0: only other one at the hotel. The next couple yep. of chapters bring the rest of our players into the hotel, and then once everyone's there, they start telling their stories gotcha. to each other. Yeah. But, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're having sex in the bushes, like, I would say 20 feet, 50 feet from the hotel. Yeah. Lady Fairchild's watching them. Like, they're not being super sneaky but uh there's also erotica in every room of the hotel the oh have we not gotten that far yet no okay never mind what we're going to find So this is
1: like sexy times hotel well
0: we we already know from chapter one that monsieur roger the guy who runs the mm-hmm. hotel is a yeah. big fan of lady fairchild's erotica we and find he has out, lots
1: of like dirty
0: books yes we find out later that rather than a uh what are they called the the gideon the Gideon's Bible Oh my god Rather he than a porn and every. Rather than a Gideon's Bible There's a little book Of of smut Essentially A little oh book of erotica god. I never I We'll find that it. out later I loved it too I love that. So let's dive in Basically they, They're really short chapters So it's pretty simple yeah. A woman shows up At the hotel She meets a Kind of dashing Military man
1: Yeah Kind of creepy Kind of
0: creepy Well she He's a
1: He like sees the shoes Like yeah. we're focused On the shoes f- In si- the first six panels The first six panels And he like the shoes. sees shoes shoes and he's like oh gotta straighten my tie and go get my dick on those shoes i guess yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah he sort of charms her they go to dinner Mm -hmm. and then they go for a walk and she keeps protesting she's like oh back in the back where i come from if a man just took i think she's playfully protesting well of course they end up having sex kind of they do everything but we're just gonna blanketly say that he goes down on
1: her and she kind of rubs
0: him off with her shoe with her shoe yeah she and then he comes all over her new shoes I. we should talk about that eventually yeah. but uh, but yeah so like she's very coyly being like oh if a man were to kiss like he's like well what, what about if a man were to kiss you oh this certainly that would be too scandalous and he kisses her and what if her man were to do this and he pulls up her skirt and then you know things mm-hmm. evolve things from progress there. but <clears throat> Yeah, mm-hmm. one of my favorite moments in here. Flip to the bit mm-hmm. where she they're walking and he does the shoe fantasy metaphor. That mm-hmm. was some of the where he discusses how how shoes are like fantasies.
1: Oh, yes. That I was one that, like that was some here. of
0: my favorite writing that I've read mm-hmm. in not just a comic book but any book for like mm-hmm. the last couple of years. That's so brilliantly put. <sighs> Um, what and
1: I think it just cleared something up for me too
0: which was what I'll, I'll read um, you tell me what I was trying up. to
1: figure out why did she put the shoes outside her door uh-huh. and I was like well oh, maybe she's wow putting them. that
0: just cleared it up for me too the yeah. second you said that go ahead you said like, maybe though. she's
1: putting the shoes outside her door so that a maid or somebody can come and take them and clean them but maybe she put them outside her door because she has.
0: She's done with the fantasy she's and she's taking them. it off mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I'll read the dialogue Because I think that this is worth worth hearing um, They're walking down the stairs And basically he has a brief monologue um, The girl says uh, You stop, you know, uh, European man." He's flirting with her And then she goes, I wanted the, them shoes so bad I had dreams, fantasies And then he says, that I understand huh, You know, the <laughs> shoes and the fantasy They are very alike Like shoes, we try our fantasies on, yes? Sometimes they are too big for us, sometimes we outgrow them, they become too small, too confining, or perhaps they wear out, become dull, familiar, merely comfortable, but always our shoes, our fantasies, they take us somewhere new, yes? Is that not one of the most brilliant metaphors you've ever heard for sexual fantasy? Yeah, that is stunningly good writing. When I read that, I was like, because, you know, when you read the first couple chapters, you're like, oh, eh, this is pretty good. And it's there's like a um, uh, what's it called when it's just like a No, oh God, I can't think of the word. Maybe no more scotch for podcasts, mm. but uh, there's where it's like uh, where it's new. It's like the it's it's kind of like, oh, that's quaint. goddamn novelty. The mm, novelty yes. of reading modern erotica done in the Victorian style. Mm-hmm. But when I read that, I'm like, oh, right. This is an Alan Moore book.
1: It's still Alan Moore. This is Alan yeah.
0: Moore. We are in for a treat. We're in for some like top tier writing. Mm-hmm. I love that. I would never would have picked that up. I'm so glad we're talking about this. That because I wrote down it just
1: as soon as you started talking and I was like, oh, click.
0: Well, Got I, it. I wrote that down. I said, leaving the shoes outside the door. Like, what is that about? And then I mm-hmm. said, discuss. And I think you're dead on. She's finished with the fantasy. So she's taking those shoes off. She's you, you put them on. You, try, mm-hmm. it's like a mask. You try it on, you take it off. And then she's, she's, she's taking like, yeah, off I'm not into this aside. one. <laughs> um, yeah, the guys with shoe fetishes. Well, she is. No, you haven't read that far. Um, eventually, we find out that she is going to go to dinner with him again. I haven't continued reading beyond that point, but as of right now, she has a dinner date with this gotcha. fella. Um,
1: and I guess that's kind of interesting that shoes are so important to her at this stage right now because in the, the, Reds, Wizard of Oz. the red slippers are. Ruby slippers are such a big thing,
0: right. A big part of The Wizard of Oz. Um we're I'm gonna love talking to you next next week on Chapman and Robin because they they cover her story and the way mm-hmm. that they the metaphor that Alan Moore comes up with to explain Oz is amazing.
1: amazing. anyway,
0: um, I wanted to talk I wanted to quote one more. I wrote down the dialogue in its entirety. I wanted to quote one more piece of writing because, this this writing is not just smart ratifor- metaphors. This is sexy writing too. Um, it's it's gonna be. Is it weird for you to be that we're gonna be talking about erotica for like a month or two months? No. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. good. There's a line where he um, she basically st- stops him and says like, "We can't have sex. I don't oh,
1: have. I, I'm not, I'm on, I'm birth not birth control on birth control. Or yeah."
0: And he's like, "There's we can do lots more." And he mm-hmm. starts going down on her. Yeah. And he has a line where he says. Um, ah, your sex. It smells so good with the grass, with the night. Let me taste it.
1: I thought that was such a weird line. I I was like, who's like, mmm, pussy and grass.
0: Well, yeah, but for...
1: (laughs) I mean, pussy and weed,
0: maybe. Well, I know, I know that you're saying, I know what you're saying, which is like, wow, that's so strange. But like, if you let yourself kind of live in like a poetic headspace, it it was for me, the reason, (laughs) the reason I liked it is because for me... It immediately evoked like like really strong sense signals like the smell of grass at night when you're like laying, kind of like dewy right where you're laying the night is like usually kind of cool mm-hmm. it's like cool and fresh and you can really smell like the the trees and the grass and the air and then the smell of grass itself is such a powerful and clean fresh scent and then when he combines that with the smell of her sex, it's just it it evoked an immediate sensory response <laughs> in me, and I was like, "That is a really well turned line. That was really powerful writing." And I thought you that,
1: were in the moment. Yeah, you're like,
0: "All right." I was right there with him, and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah." That and it was really, and it wasn't. It was. It wasn't like wow, that was so sensual. It was sensual in the sense that it it lit up the my senses. senses. Yeah. It was. It was like a, like this weird like. Like decadent sort of line, I loved that line. So I just I had to had to talk about it. I was really really glad um, that I had stumbled across that. One of the things I like about this is I think as a culture, and we can have this is a longer discussion that we can have as we continue to talk Mm -hmm. about this book. But I think as a culture, we're really used to the like. Girl and guy walk into a room, five-minute blowjob scene, three different sexual positions, cum shot, close-ups all the way through. Like, sex, our our porn nowadays is very, like, uh, uh, I'm doing stuff to you. Uh, ooh, take it, take it, yeah. Mm. You know, it's very, Mm -hmm. you know, when I say porn... You can think of a billion things, and they all look the same. Super close. I really
1: appreciated that slamming the first slams. like sexual act that we see is a man going down
0: on a woman. Well, the first, well, yeah, we but we don't actually
1: see that one. We
0: kind of do. We no, we
1: know see, that it happens. We see
0: like when she, she's arching her back on the bed, we, and her hands are oh, between her legs. I guess, we see yeah. masturbation, but the first sexual act we see is a guy going down on a girl.
1: I appreciated that, and you know, you're talking about the whole like modern concept of sexuality. I feel like vagina gets a really bad rap and like everybody's like oh dirty stinky pussy right he's like hey this smells really good right like i mean guys who like vagina should like how it smells you know like they should be like oh this turns me on and we get that here
0: which i thought was really cool i like how this uh, that the treatment of sex in this book is a is a full experience There's no rush to get to like Slamming in the pussy mm. And then now we're gonna do it Right on her face And then like high five <laughs> At the end It's not that It's This is a central experience Like completely and utterly The way that Melinda Gebbie Draws <laughs> It's, it's very uh, like trope of erotica if you think of the what I'm about to say sounds very like romance novel, but the way that she treats it is so, there's something so sexy about it. The way that when the characters fall back and their clothes sort of fall away, the gradual way- <laughs> Yeah, I know.
1: She's like, oh, she magically has no clothes on. Well, the gradual
0: like... way that their clothes sort of like fall away from them, mm-hmm. it reveals a little bit and you get a flash here and a flash mm-hmm. there and we're partially disrobed and the stockings are pulled up or the- It's or the, like a- and She has bloomers. A cla- Like burlesque, almost, or
1: like the dance of the seven veils, kind of thing.
0: I absolutely love that it's not like panting, salivating, sex,
1: sweating. We're watching,
0: like you almost feel like um, I mean, if anybody's seen Penny Dreadful, you almost feel like Dorian Gray sitting back and watching Mm. the this, like just. It's like taking it rather than like doing a shot of sex whiskey. You're it's like artful. You're sitting you're sitting back with like a, a blooming glass of cognac of sensuality. It's a totally different thing. It's it's
1: a, elevated. It's yeah. elegant.
0: It's oh, it's it's they it brings such richness to mm-hmm. sensuality that it's it, it takes you it takes your breath away because we're so used to that, like that weird pounding. Wham panting. bam.
1: Thank you, ma'am. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And to just see something unfurl and unfold like that so, so delicately and elegantly Mm -hmm. and watching characters drawings, these are drawings, we're talking about drawings, but watching characters like take pleasure in like the, the feeling of someone's collarbone with their mouth Mm -hmm. or like the, the, the touch of their like stomach on their on their cheek like to take pleasure in a body rather than just running for the finish line to be like God like the the line of your shoulder and like to see the mm. way those lines are rendered It's so beautiful I'm a really really big fan um So I don't really have anything. I want to talk about some pieces of art, specific pages and chapters, and I'll have you turn to them and tell me what you think, because I know what I think. But uh, what did you what did you think of the first two chapters? Um, Just on the whole.
1: I enjoyed it. I was a bit confused, but it was one of those confusions where, you know, as you continue that things will clear up. Yeah. So I wasn't really concerned about it, but I was kind of like, man, you didn't really get me with chapter one. But chapter two, I was like, all right, I'm here.
0: And once we talked about chapter two, did it, did it grow on you a little bit more when you saw the metaphor he was working with, or was it just too visually monotonous for you that the metaphor didn't
1: The matter? mirror again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was just too visually monotonous okay. for me. I liked it, I'm glad. And I didn't understand, like the color of the mirror changes from panel I wasn't to panel entirely and i was sure about like is either. this supposed to be the progression of like midday to evening or like what exactly is happening the, the colors do like,
0: change and she does mention that she's on drugs when she takes her medicine oh you think it's
1: like a psychedelic thing like she's tripping a jumping bit jumping ahead just,
0: a touch we do see two characters smoke opium later yeah, me too. But um, when we do see character, two characters smoke opium later and the colors change like this. So I'm wondering oh, if this is... Rep- okay. Because once we get into the waking world, we stay in one color palette. Okay. You know what I mean? I think she's high there. Y- she's high? I think high? she's on drugs okay. and the colors gotcha. are like... Ooh. Okay, I was like, I don't know right, what's going on. So let's, um, let's hit a couple of pieces of art. It could Cha- be the progression of day to night, actually, now that I look Chapter at... Chapter like, one, page eight. Chapter one, Yeah, I want to look at a few specific drawings. I wrote them down. Doo, doo, doo. I was so page delighted. Eight, yes. uh, chapter one, page eight. Mm-hmm. I wrote down gorgeous, gorgeous figure work.
1: Oh, yeah. The like her booty in this bodies, picture? Yeah, the way that panel? the
0: human bodies are yeah. rendered. She are, does a
1: lot with very few lines.
0: She does. You know
1: exactly what she's drawing.
0: And mm-hmm. the figures have weight. Yes, Melinda Melinda Gabby's we I can't She
1: can draw like realistic tits, which is something I think it's really right. hard. Like
0: the and they're not unattractive. They're not either. gross old lady tits. No, no, they're no. Just but older. they 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 have weight to them mm-hmm. and they hang and they move as the characters walk. It's not just like two grapefruits, you know, right. stuck boink, boink. to the chest. This right here, mm-hmm. this book is like looking at an art book. You you can read it and move your way through, but sometimes you just get like when I was reading this, I just stayed on this panel for probably <laughs> like like minutes and not like in a like oh
1: yeah Ooh, look at your life. Lady mm, mm. But like this. I'm, I'm panel admiring here, that
0: waist. Look at the waistline on that mm-hmm. and the way like she has the a the shape
1: of her stomach. She has
0: a touch of a belly. Just mm-hmm. it's this is like a um a a woman. Mm.
1: This is like mm-hmm. a Frazetta
0: woman rendered in a softer she's not light. Not quite
1: that like not that curvaceous, but, but
0: that that little bit of a belly, the high waist. This is a beautiful figure mm-hmm. drawing.
1: Beautiful. And then this panel directly below it, where she's leaning in to kiss the mirror. Yep, you can see the muscles in her lower back, like. And, strengthen and, and stand up to hold the weight of the front of her body
0: right the the musculature under her skin is functional in every one mm-hmm. of these pictures and look you can see her spine because she's bent slightly forward mm-hmm. how you round your lower back the drawings are immaculately accurate um go to chapter she's incredibly yeah talented. chapter two page five
1: Mm-hmm. sexy page
0: uh, this right here it's, the, it's basically its a, a single image broken over three panels mm-hmm. and I wanted to just draw attention to the, the pose of the I guess it's Dorothy we can call her Dorothy because mm-hmm. we know who it is but Dorothy on her back there's very there's not much nudity we can see like the tip of his penis and we can see her breasts, but she still has her underwear on. But something about the way that this is structured. Can I see the image really quick? Yeah. The way that this is structured with his hand on her hand, but her other arm, we can tell her other arm is free because he's got his hand on himself. But like the the dynamic between the two and how open she is to the experience and how like, for example, she doesn't have like um like pinup nipples or porny nipples. Mm, she has yeah. rather large nipples which is unusual yeah. to see on any sort of naked drawing usually the mm-hmm. figure is idealized immediately right but th- all of these women seem real to me mm-hmm. something about this I just loved that that dynamic especially because of the maybe part of it's the old-timey like bloomers underwear <laughs> where somehow like
1: they're like kind of cute and it's, like it is right charming but also kind of sexy C-
0: yes so yeah I'm right there with you and then my last and one, like how the
1: fabric kind of clings down there yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a Gorgeous and then also the fact that the flowers look like stars some yes. the, the art in this is just beautiful and then my last little one birds my last piece of art is chapter 2 <clears throat> page 8 it's just a couple more pages and I wrote down feet look at how Gabby draws Dorothy's feet
1: mm-hmm.
0: realistic feet right
1: what I noticed about this wasn't oh. actually her feet but the muscles of her legs like she has muscular legs
0: yes I also noticed that, um, not our crumb legs, but right. Like, but like, like girl who's been working on a farm kind of legs, like, right. What I noticed was the progression. Um, she takes her shoes off, right? Mm-hmm. This I would say is a foot fetish foot. This is a foot <laughs> that's drawn sexy. This you're still noticing the arches. You're mm-hmm. noticing the toes. So this is still kind of a sexy foot, but less so than that. that mm-hmm. Like there's, there's literally like whole, books devoted to the soul of a human friend right. because it's a and fetish. And then they're normal like flat, foot.
1: comfortable feet. Yeah.
0: So when she takes the fantasy off, mm-hmm. the object of his fetish reverts to reality from to fantasy. Normal. I yeah. thought that that was fucking beautiful. And then the no change dialogue. of the
1: calf you know how calf muscles get really tight when a woman is wearing high heels? Well, yeah, because it's balancing and, and, it, and weight distribution. The like. high
0: heels make the foot, like, it makes the, the leg and foot sexualize. Lifts the butt, straightens the leg. Right. Yeah, heels that. make the female form more... More sexy. Yeah. More sexier. And
1: then you notice in the next panels that her her calf muscles are not as tight, not as defined. They, they loo- kind of loosen out because and... she's
0: standing mm-hmm. properly. So there's no dialogue here. Alan no. Moore is notorious for writing extremely detailed scripts, so I'm mm-hmm. positive that this is in his notes. But to be able to execute such a subtle shift from a fully sexualized foot to just a, a beautiful figure drawing of a human foot mm-hmm. in three panels, that is amazing.
1: And I found it intriguing that As soon as he leaves, she takes those shoes off and she doesn't even wear them back to her room. She carries them instead. Right. It's almost like a separating...
0: I I got oh. I got sort of like a well not not like oh I was uncomfortable with what happened but mm-hmm. like now that the fantasy's over there's no reason to keep wearing these because they're actually not that comfortable like for example would you you know like um, this is a bit of an extreme example but like let's say you're in like a one of those latex suits and you've got the mm-hmm. mask on and you're like
1: I'd probably be like all right I'm sweating my right, ass but like off. in the moment <laughs> in
0: the moment you're like oh I'm so constricted and this feels amazing and like mm-hmm. someone's like you dirty girl or you dirty guy or whatever and there's like whip and stuff and then Whips yeah and we'll pause in we, just a yeah, second I need to get going. but she goes you know like and then it's like okay well that was great oh you know I'll see you I'll see you next week or whatever like mm-hmm. oh thank you so much and get whatever you take that fucking suit off you don't walk home like oh yeah I'm so am sitting in my swamp of stench <laughs> once the fantasy's done you can put the tools and toys away
1: and yeah and that's true women pretty much as soon as they can take their heels off they take their heels every off, wedding so. I've
0: ever yeah. been to ever yeah <laughs> preside um yeah so i mean okay so we're gonna we're obvious. we're gonna put a pin in this we'll come back to do the last section but we do have to go and see our friend carl hartley in a, a production that i've been told is very good of a midsummer night's dream so we're gonna go and see a shakespeare play and we're gonna come back and, and finish out the episode but
1: right after we get done talking about erotica we're gonna go see shakespeare right no big how fucking cultured are we <laughs> We just sit here twirling my mustache, and I, I
0: literally sat here with a glass of single malt scotch, discussing uh, high erotic art, and then I'm gonna go and see Shakespeare. Gotta feel good, and I'm wearing a suit coat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh Really quick. La- last thoughts on the first two chapters. Are you excited to read the yeah, rest of the way through? I'm going to dig in. All right. I think we should do. I'm
1: glad we talked about it because I feel like I understand it better now.
0: Me too. And I think that going through them chapter by. Uh, I'm going to read like go- pl-
1: going through them chapters. Well, I'm going
0: to I'm going to plow through the book and then I'm going to go back and do chapter three and chapter four for next week. Oh, okay. Sure. So because I want to I want to read the book, but I also want to be like sharp for our discussions. So, um. What I wanted to what I wanted to get to was so like just f- any final thoughts, final thoughts no. on this book. Mm-hmm. No, nothing. Okay, well then I
1: left l- it out all out on the field.
0: Me, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think I did too. I'm a, I'm an enormous fan. I hope that we were able to not embarrass any of our friends or any of our listeners, but also to oh, convince. To you don't con- think
1: we've talked about worse stuff? We before. definitely
0: have. Our first episode, I talked about um uh butchering you and using one of your body parts as a human fleshlight. Right. Go back to episode one Whoa,
1: for that. Such charming memories. little
0: ditty. <laughs> anyway, um, I really hope that we've I've, we have been able to convince some of you to go pick this book up. I cannot, I cannot praise this book highly enough. Lost Girls is stunning.
1: If nothing else, it probably
0: puts you on some sort of watch list. It does. Well, we so, didn't even mean, talk about bonus that. Points. We didn't talk about that at all. Let's talk about it next week, The Controversy. Oh, I'll make yeah, a note. Sure. We'll talk about The Controversy. And con-
1: we can do a little like research or whatever about yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, and actually, some of the more controversial content will be discussed next week. Ooh. But yeah, this book uh, was banned almost everywhere that it was originally published until the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund... Um, Yeah Basically defended Not just the comic book Legal defense fund But other lawsuits Happened as well To get this book Available to us Um, This was an extremely Divisive and controversial book Okay So we're gonna go watch Some Shakespeare play And then we are going To come back And talk to you Fine folks a little bit more And that'll be our First episode back Woot woot All right, we are going to put the briefest of pins in the conversation right there. When I went to upload this uh, episode to Squarespace, where I host the podcast, I was told that the file size was a bit too large uh, to directly upload, and externally hosting the file was not an option. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to split it into two. But rather than curse you darkness and make you wait a week to hear the second half of this episode, I'm just going to throw them both up right now. Um, we've been away for a long time, so here's two episodes of Chatman and Robin for you to listen to and enjoy. And thrill to And touch yourself to I don't know what you guys do when you listen to Chapman and Robin I'm, I'm hoping all of the above and more So uh, I'm, I'm just going to get out of your hair Play some outro music And then you're going to hear some intro music And boom, right back into the conversation So uh, this week it's two for one Sorry about any inconvenience or any interruption in the listening But apparently Squarespace can't handle a 168 megabyte file <laughs> uh, Anyway, alright, I'm out of here